All right, welcome to our second ever uh, episode, and we have a name for our talk show, right, Brian? Yes, actually, our special guest today came up with this name, which is nice to see. I also wanted to mention that I'm not sure this is gonna. This is a pre-record, actually, because I'm off on vacation. Carries off, yeah, uh, out. Out east. Out east Canada. So I'm not exactly sure when this is gonna air for sure, but. Just to let the listeners know, we are recording this on Sunday, September the 16th. And our special guest, who we are about to introduce, is flying out in a few hours, back yeah, home. I'll be back home. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, welcome, Barry. Hello. Nice to be here, I suppose. Thanks for coming on your show. As Carrie introduced you, your, your name is Barry. Um, and you're from? I'm from Ireland. Ireland, yes. From Belfast, Ireland. And thank you for the um, idea. So we've been looking for an idea for our show, just want to say. And you came up with the um, Out of the Blue yesterday. You just said Outlook. Yep, the name for the show. Yeah, and I love it. It's it's very short and to the point, and I like that. Looking it's, for something with eyes or look or something. Yeah, it's a delicious pun. <laughs> <laughs> love those. All right, so we wanted to talk to people with blindness and other disabilities and Barry specifically has been here for the last few weeks and we wanted to talk to him because right before he flies out yeah we're gonna we're just squeezing this in at the last minute I wanted to talk to him about the um what it's like growing up in another country with blindness uh in the country of Ireland as we've said so um how that compares to maybe Canada or or doesn't so maybe first Barry you want to just sort of briefly tell us about your blindness and uh, how long Mm -hmm. it's been Okay, so yeah, I was born with glaucoma, um, so I was essentially born partially sighted and lost my eyesight in my right eye whenever I was six, a lot of corrective surgery in the left eye, and then whenever I was 18 years of age, I had enough eyesight after the corrective surgery that I could drive a car and stuff, so pretty good eyesight, and I had an accident, fell going into a pub in Belfast, my hometown, fell on my right hand side, and turned and hit my left eye the good eye it was just a really really bad luck moment and shattered the retina which yep then meant that i was blind in both eyes so no more driving no more driving Mm. so that's something different you have than um brian and i here who uh, we've never had the sight to drive a car right and then as i don't know if we've mentioned on our previous episode as this is only the second episode of outlook but carrie was able to see more than me uh, we will definitely talk up. more about our Yeah, our we'll get more specific into situations. ours when we don't have a guest, but today we want to talk exclusively with Barry about his life and blindness. So, um, I guess you've had a different um life growing up with this all, but compared to ours and everything, how did how was um the how were the services what did you ha- find helpful um so far in your life uh, as far as what Ireland offers for the blind? Um, <clears throat> I would say probably the, the chief thing would be our, our guide dog service, um, which is actually, because I'm in Northern Ireland technically, I'm part of the UK, so it's a whole political thing, but I would say our guide dog service, because guide dogs for the blind UK, their philosophy is independence shouldn't be, um, or sorry, your, your financial status shouldn't be a factor for your independence. So guide dogs UK pick up all the, the bills, all the costs, your vet bills, your food, for the dog um you just buy you know the bed and any toys that you want for the dog 
but they insure you and they sort all the, the incidentals out, which is really quite nice. I know, I think there's one school in America does that, but not every guide dog school does that there, which is really, really good. Yeah, we'd have to do a comparison with all these guide dog schools. Um, Brian and I had guide dogs several years ago, both from uh, Mira in Quebec. So that's different again from what the U.S. schools offer and maybe it's changed i'm not sure but that that sounds great and so you've had lots of experience with guide dogs yeah yeah so how many how many dogs have you had and did you get them all from the same same school yeah so i've had uh, three guide dogs all from the same school first one was called vicky she was a yellow lab cross uh, golden retriever she worked up until she was about 8 years old um, so, yeah, in the UK, between the age of 8 and 10, you start thinking about retiring your dog. And I think that's kind of similar to here in Canada. They say usually 10 is kind of the, the cut-off age. Cut-off you point, don't really yeah, that work would be the same that. for us. Uh, second dog was called Mars, as in a Mars bar or the planet. Uh, he only worked for a year. He was across Labrador, uh, Alsatian, German Shepherd. And then my last little guide dog, who just retired in April of this year, was called Bliss. B-L-I-S-S, and she was a little black, shiny Labrador. Um, and she was a fantastic little worker, worked right up to the age of 10 years of age. Wow. Cool. So um, guide dogs for all of us in here have been a big thing, um, but the cane is the other way to go, which we all are using at the moment. Yeah, can't, well, yeah, I guess all three of us are using canes now, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would you say, um, other than guide dogs schools, which that's great, um, like how did you learn your your orientation skills, sort of your travel independent skills over the years? Um, so I did. I mean, I, I lost my, my sight. It was 99. And then I did some long cane training in January of 2000. And I got my first guide dog in March of 2000. So that was pretty quick to, you know, oh, yeah. lose all yeah. your sight like that. And then so soon to get a dog. I just jumped. Yeah. I mean, I, I was 18 years of age, Brian. So I just jumped in with both feet and was just like, you know, I, I wanted to get back on with my life yeah. and as quickly and as smoothly as possible. And I remember, so got the first guide dog in March. And I think it was 2001, the summer of 2001, I flew out to Boston by oh. myself. Um, so my orientation and mobility and stuff like that there, um, although I was partially sighted, I don't know. I just, a lot of my stuff was just baptism of fire. And I just started traveling the world and it was just like, oh, right. Got yeah, that's, that's another big topic that we, we want to cover on this show mm-hmm. a lot. And we sort of touched on in the first episode is traveling when you can't see. And I know you've done a ton of traveling. You've been to Canada many times. 16. 16 times, 16. which is crazy. Yeah. Um, and I know you've been to some other. Yeah, I've been to America 12 times, Mexico, Peru, India, Belgium, France, all over Scotland, England, Wales, Northern Ireland, Southern Ireland. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, traveling is a big, important subject, and people are amazed and shocked to hear about that, um, that we might just want to live our lives and travel and find, find ways of doing that. Uh, so that's why we do want to d- explore that a lot more. But even like, but I just mean travel can mean around your own city to travel yeah. the world. So yeah, sometimes when you're, when you're a teenager, you're full of energy, and yeah, you just want to get on with it yeah your tolerance level is quite high for stress and things like that as well because you're naive and you don't really think about things and analyze it as much as an adult um, and your energy levels just physically and mentally is a lot higher 
So I am glad that I did the bulk of that traveling when I was younger and stupid, I suppose. <laughs> um, but the other difference, Kerry, I suppose, that I've noticed anyway, I mean, it's it's hard for me to tell because, yeah, I've been here so many times, but I'm normally just following you guys around or friends or whatever, so I don't really know the routes right. um, for getting about over here. Um, but ours does seem to be more ex- visually impaired accessible um especially the city i live in lisburn and in actual fact i was talking to my wife the other day and i didn't realize but lisburn apparently has been used as a model for the uk for accessibility really every single crossing point has tactile things that you can feel under your feet as a blind person to indicate that there's a crossing point there um every single traffic light either makes a noise or has a little spinny cone to indicate you put your finger on it underneath the, the light and it lets you know when it's green and safe to cross. Because there's also deafblind people who Absolutely. You know, they yeah, can't they hear the, yeah. the audible That's sound. And they've even went as far as to angle the, the traffic light pole so that you can place your shoulder against it and it'll line you up so that you cross the street in the right direction. That's an, you know that's great. I mean, there's a million little things like that that most people don't think about. And that, that touches on the accessibility point of view where... In a way, that's like that's obviously great, and for you living there, it's such an accessible city. But a lot of people would also argue that all of these things are make things too too easy, and you're not always going to be in a place <laughs> where it's like that. Yeah. So it doesn't sort of work on those skills that we'll talk about more. There's in that issue. But and I, I have and I have heard this argument, so I have, and my view of it is you shouldn't cut your nose off to spite your face. Yeah. Or uh, to use another cliche, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater just because you have a choice somewhere. I think it's a valid point. Yeah, you can see You know, and it's like uh, whenever I first got my first guide dog, they insisted that you do long cane mobility training. So to make sure that your orientation skills yeah. were Well, up that's to what we were surprised you got. I mean, how quick it happened with you as opposed to we got training well, all through school. And then so did you because you could still see quite a bit in driving and stuff. So how when did you really start? using a cane and stuff then was that right it was literally in the, that january of 2000 and then i got my dog but how that actually happened was number it was it was a hodgepodge of things so the dog they actually had was very highly high strung a very domineering um uh, female and they didn't have anyone on their books for her whatsoever so she was going to be rejected simply because they didn't have anyone and then the young guy was actually only about five years older than me the uh, guide dog instructor actually decided okay well let's let's try barry with this dog actually because he knew i was 18 19 and he also knew my confidence was going to grow in the year or so after having my guide dog so of course he uh he just it was a bit of a gamble and he just thought let's let's see what happens but right place right time yeah and it it paid off so yeah that was the dog worked for eight years you said right yeah she did that's pretty pretty incredible yeah that's great so then as far as, I mean, here in Canada, the main organization people know of for the blind is the CNIB. Mm-hmm. In the UK, you have the RNIB. That's right. And, um, you know, we don't have to get into too deeply about the differences there, but really just, I don't know what your thoughts on are on what they've done to help you or any other organizations that have helped you more than them or, you know, same amount or... Unfortunately, I've got very little help from these organizations. Mm-hmm. I've always found them, um, they they will be, they, they can be okay. The RNIB can be okay if you're not in any shape or form independent um, and used to doing things for yourself. 
Like, I mean, they, for example, they do have a, uh, in Belfast, uh, the RNIB's office does have a careers advisor. Mm-hmm. But that careers advisor, you know, I go and see that person. I went and saw that person to see about getting the help for finding work. And I was more qualified than they were. Yes. Um, I was more qualified than the person they had running their IT department in their, their main office. Um, so... Yeah, I uh, there was there was no real help that could give me. Um, I think the only genuinely the only apart from the guide dog, the only assistance I've ever got was I was given a talking clock <laughs> when I first lost my eyesight, which is like um, pretty obscure today. It and is, we have yeah. it is and technology, it's, and you're an IT kind of guy, so. And I guess um, I've where I've really found is just tapping into people like you guys, you know, other blind people and networking and how do you do this and how do you do that there? And the cultural stuff doesn't really matter because we do have that commonality of blindness. Um, And I, that's where I've really got my stuff over the last 18, 19 years of being blind is the support of other blind people. Yeah. Well, thanks for pointing that out because that is, um, that is, that is very true. And that's what, sorry. Oh, sorry to interrupt. Keep going. Oh, that's just what we're trying to do with the Canadian Federation of the Blind, which mm-hmm. we'll talk more about in future is, episodes. Can I just ask, is the CNIB, is that off or for? Is it off the blind? Or oh, no, the yeah, blind? that's for the blind. For uh, the blind, yeah. You see, that was the thing. I mean, and that I know probably from maybe listeners and stuff, it seems like such a small thing. But in the yeah. UK, the RNIB was the Royal National Institute of, or sorry, for the blind as well. Right. But about 15 years ago, they changed it to off oh, really? after oh, a lot of protesting and stuff from other blind people. Hmm. Huh. See, so they actually changed their name. Anybody in Canada who's not blind people who are whatever aren't willing maybe to adopt, you know, the federation sort of model. Mm -hmm. If they're still wanting to, you know, receive help from the CNIB and support them, that is something that you know we should point out. I mean, we can talk about that forever. The 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 how how words matter and little things like that may not make any sense to anybody else who who doesn't think about that. But Mm -hmm. really, it it comes is coming from our our point of view versus being helped as, you know, these poor chari- ch- charity requiring yeah. blind people. I mean, the RNIB does sound those somewhat similar to the CNIB in terms of, I was listening the other day, you guys were talking about the number of blind people they employ and that kind of thing. And I, I think the RNIB is exactly the same. I think they're, it's like 7% of their paid, uh, staff staff are actually blind or visually impaired. Um, That's a very, very low number. It is really low. Now, of course, they have blind people sitting on their boards, their okay. various boards. But again, they're, they're all, it's the usual story, it's voluntary positions. But it's interesting how they changed their name to Of the Blind when really there's only 7% working there that, yeah. are, that are blind. Exactly. It was a, it was a, um, it was a PR exercise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so like, oh, we changed it to Of, now people It can be, yeah. If, if there's nothing to back that up, yeah. then it is sort of silly, but... Um, it's a different, it's a step from what we have here. I, I assume they're quite similar, but I really had no idea um, yeah. that's true. And I, I guess we're probably quite similar to you guys in terms of, we do have the dis- various discrimination legislations and things like that there. Um, we do have a, a body at home called the Equality Commission. And the theory is, if you're discriminated against, you can go and they will give you legal advice and possibly uh, funding to help you fight your case. But again, they only have limited funding themselves, so they can actually only select a certain number of cases that they can help you financially uh, fight those battles and things. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Canada and the and Ireland, you know, they're both... 
lovely countries. I've been to both. I've been to Ireland, but uh, it's good to talk to somebody who lives there. Maybe, I don't know uh, how we're doing here, but I just thought I'd maybe ask you about your life now. So you are a fairly, ind very independent person mm -hmm. and you really, supports are great, but then when they aren't there, it's also great that you don't have to be kind of, you know, nece necessarily so dependent and relying on them when you can figure it out. What is your life like, kind of, um, how do you, what do you do with your day and what is your daily okay. life like there? Okay, uh, so yes, at the moment I'm currently looking for employment. I, I was working for Apple up until about February or March this year. Which must have been great. It was, yeah, it was a good company definitely to work for. It was it's hard. on the resume. Yeah. It was hard, hard, really, really long hours. So it was, you know, yeah. 12, 12 to 13 hour days. And that was uh, technical support? Uh, sales. Actually, say, oh, yeah, sales. sales. Okay, yeah. Which was nice for me to take a break from IT support and use my IT skills right. um, yeah. to help people. Uh, so, yeah, when, uh, when I go back home here, I'm starting to look for work again. I have a, a company that was interested in me and wanted to actually interview me just before I came out here. The, oh, really? the, the, well, it was actually the day I came here. <laughs> um, but they did say they would be in touch again because they have more roles coming up. So hopefully that. And at the moment, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just, it's like anyone that's unemployed. Uh, I have an artificial uh, sort of simulated routine. I, I get up every morning at about 8, 8, 8 a.m. Um, I, I meditate for about 10 or 15 minutes each morning. Uh, probably about three times a week at the spin uh, class. And um, yeah, I like to get out with my, my cane and just walk around the city and, you know, talk to friends on my iPhone, which of course speaks to me. And uh, yeah, I also do judo. I do judo once a week, though that's coming into the winter now, that's going to go back up to twice a week, so it will. And... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I go out with friends for the odd uh, the odd pint, but I must be honest, I don't have a fantastic local social life, mm. which is a bit yeah, annoying. Yeah, no, it can be tough for sure. Yeah, and Sometimes. I think it's one of those ones as well, Brian, unless they're friends from school or college or university, it, it's really, it's quite difficult as an adult. It is hard, yeah. An adult. an adult in their late 30s to meet friends, so it is. So you have family nearby, though, that you... My mum and dad, yes, and a lot of my aunts and uncles, they... Although I'm in a different city, it's actually only about eight miles away. So it's about a 15, 20 minute drive to Belfast from right. where I live in Lisburn. Okay, so so you've been to Canada and um, the US and other countries. What do you? What is your thought on sort of the differences you've seen um, <clears throat> anywhere? In, well, in terms of blindness in different countries? Yeah, how you've been treated or how you've seen blind other blind people live in that country or... Um, okay, well... <sighs> The one thing I, I've definitely noticed, not so much in Canada, but definitely in the US, and I think I touched on this the other day when I was just talking to you guys privately, was the word handicapped is used a lot more over here. Right, um, yeah, you mentioned that. Great, yeah, there. which is just a big no-no in the UK. It, it's seen as a very, very offensive term. Um, also as well, even the disability transport services are different here. Paratransit, and of course para coming from like sort of the Paralympics, paraplegic, that kind of thing. <laughs> Again, just would never be called that in the UK. I think we're, I actually think we're, we're possibly more politically correct or more sensitive to what we would see anyway as old-fashioned terms. Um, the, I guess as well, I don't know much about your social services mm -hmm. in these countries. Um, like, for example, all I can sort of speak on is what, what we have. So, for example... 
I have two benefits as a blind person that I get at the moment. One's called a PIP Personal Independence Payment, which has just been moved over from the classic DLA Disability Living Allowance that we had. And um, I also get ESA, which is Employment Support Allowance. Now, the PIP is not means-tested, so I could be a millionaire and still receive that payment if I want. The ESA is means-tested, and it's based on your employment status. Um, so I don't know like what what do you guys get here I mean does it depend on your income or yeah that's I mean there are big differences like that from country to country the the services offered so we get um, Ontario yeah specifically provincial provincial yeah ODSPs um, Ontario Ontario Disability Support Program so they put the the word disability right in there which again the the word disability another word another word people feel differently about um but there have been some changes with recent government. They changed it one way with the Liberals. They're changing it again a little bit with Conservative. I mean, it changes. Yeah, a lot of it, and I don't know if it's similar there, is how much you're allowed to save up from it. Because they used to have it here yeah. as a $5,000 cap. And after that, if, if you were saving up more than that money, they could potentially, I think, cut you off they the, cut you off, the funding, you can be which is a you know terrible sort of model because it's not allowing you to sort of save up money to be able to sort of invest in the future and actually get somewhere. But they did change that here in Ontario to 40000 So I don't know what that's like. In well, it's probably quite similar because Employment Support Alliance does have a £15,000 gap. So okay. probably yeah, if you convert that into Canadian dollars, it would be around about the 40, the 40 mark, just, just under it maybe. With conversion. Right. That's great. I mean, it's difficult to need those supports, but the, I mean, it's great that they're there. And uh, we're going to talk a lot about those sort of things and the word disability, but it's just been great to talk to somebody while you're here uh, well, from another country much. like Ireland. And uh, it's quite hot in here because we are recording and needed to turn off all air conditioning and everything. And it's September, it shouldn't be this hot, in my opinion. Yeah, so just, so just with my um, technical audio engineering sort of skills, this is just recorded. We're recording from our three iPhones. I just wanted to mention that. <laughs> that we tried to have microphones set up and do it Technology professionally, is, but is amazing. this sort of worked out, and I'm sure this still still gets, sounds great and gets the point across. So I had brother and former Apple Apple employer um, employee helped me get a new iPhone, so that's on the way, so that's exciting. Um, but yeah, thanks for coming and uh, safe flight home, and we hope to see you for your 17th time in Canada. Uh, Looking forward soon. to it. Soon. Thank you very much, guys. If there's anything else I else wanted to say, if, if there's anything you want to plug or if you have any sort of internet presence, no pressure, but. Um, <laughs> no. Maybe, no. Maybe you're not <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Fair just enough. want to throw that out there, you know. You we always like spent to spend the time to be on my show, our shows, yeah, carrying my show. So, just want to throw that out there. But yeah, thanks again for coming on the. And thanks for the name on Outlook. Outlook. Yeah, thanks a lot thanks for the for new your, name. Thanks for your Outlook on things. Perfect. And yeah, it's been a fun two weeks having I live on my own, so it's been nice having a temporary roommate who's also blind, and we've had a great time. Time's flown by, and cool. 20, twenty-five seconds. Yeah, we got 25 seconds left on this episode, so I guess we'll wrap it up here. Thank you, Barry. Thank you very much, guys.